Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. After yet another absolutely incredible, amazing college football weekend, here we are on the 30th of November, the final day of the month. We're set to spring into not only conference championship games, but the designating of the four that'll be in the college football playoff and then all the bowl game ramifications around it. And that's why you're here with us. Welcome, everybody, to Strong as Steel, featuring uh, the author of the very best college football magazine going, Phil Steele. I'm Michael Regai, our producer, Jim Nabosna. Line up for us right now. We've got an hour plus. We've got 16 football games on the docket this week. Yeah, some of them conference championship games, others that are regular season finales. Here's how you line up with a 646-668-2248. I'll give it to you again, 646-668-2248. We're going to take your opinions, your questions, your thoughts on every one of them. And with that, we say hello to uh, the man that uh, puts all of this together. Hey, Phil Steele, how you feeling today? You know, I am doing good, Michael. How about yourself? I'm fantastic, and like I said, final day, you know, November's been tremendous, right, for uh, the game of college football. We, we've had an incredible month. Here we are in the final day, and Phil, I mentioned we've got conference championship games coming up this weekend, first order of business, Power Five, Group of Five. Here they are, right off the top. Which one do you think maybe is has the most intrigue or is going to be the best conference championship game that we have on the menu this week well i'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball here michael now there are four i'm a good curveball hitter i can hit the curveball all right (laughs) uh there are four four power five conference title games this weekend the sec the acc the pac-12 um what's and the big one there and the Big Ten, yeah, Big Ten. That's Big right. Ten. They're playing one this week. How about that? So here's here's my choice for the best conference title game. It's the Big Twelve. Yeah, I know they don't even have a conference title game, right? But of the five Power Five conferences, there is one conference that matches up the top two teams of the conference against each other this weekend. 
and that's the Big 12. And for all this talk about not having a conference title game, basically here it is. And they've played every single team in the conference, so it's not about missing opponents during the course of the year. I like what the Big 12's got going on. And to run down the other conferences, Michael, who's the, the best two teams in the Pac-12? I would Right now, today? Regardless yeah. of who's playing, to me, the best yeah. two teams in the Pac-12 today are USC, number one, to me, uh, doing a tremendous job over the course of the last seven weeks. And, Phil, I, I, I'm on a Washington or Colorado. Washington or Colorado. Washington, All right. <laughs> uh, Oh, is it? Oh, is it yeah. really? Okay. I'll go right, we'll... slightly Washington there. All right, then we'll go SEC. I think the two best teams in the SEC are Alabama and LSU. And LSU, I think at the end of the season, is going to have given Alabama probably its best game of the year. Uh, When you go to the ACC, I think your top two teams are Clemson and either Florida or Louisville. I would rank both those teams against ahead of uh, Virginia Tech, and then uh, I'll go Florida State there. Florida State, Clemson, Florida State. I like Florida State much better than Louisville right now. And and then the Big Ten, who are the two best teams? Could arguably two teams not even in the title game: Ohio State, Michigan. Meanwhile, in Big Twelve country, Oklahoma clearly number one in the Big Twelve right now. Oklahoma State clearly number two. And the winner of this game will win the Big 12. The loser of the game will finish in second place. And uh, you can't get much better than that. So I'm going to say the Big 12 is doing pretty good as far as the conference title games go, even though they don't have one. Well, I listen, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, I'm looking forward to Bedlam, right? Bedlam, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. But, Phil, i got to correct you just real quick before we start. Arguably... Uh, come on now. I, I admit I am, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I heavily slant toward the Big Ten. I, hey, listen, I grew up here. I respect and admire all the programs. But come on, Phil. Ohio State and Michigan are far and away the two best teams in the Big Ten. Body of work, resume, uh, whatever you want to do, far and away. I don't even think it's close. Yeah, I, I think they I are. Think the committee thinks they are. You know, the committee's got both. Well, there, there's no question well, about so. that. So you're good with last night then, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Washington. Do we agree if if Alabama's in, that's locked in stone. If Clemson and Washington take care of business in their conference championship games, there's going to be your final four. There will be no surprises. Yeah, the committee will have a, an easy work for them. And, you know, as razor thin as the difference is right now, as so Kirby Hokett said, between Washington and Michigan, Right. The tiebreakers, the uh, head-to-head conference championship, all those tiebreakers they have out there are meant to break razor-thin decisions. And that razor-thin decision would be trumped when Washington lands the Pac-12 title if they beat Colorado this weekend. So I think the committee might turn in early Saturday, maybe by 11 o'clock at night with the uh, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Washington. Should Clemson and Washington both win this weekend? Yeah, could be, and I don't uh, no quibbles with that whatsoever. Uh, to me, though, if uh, if if Clemson and or Washington lose and become a two loss team, uh, now they're going to have to really uh, look into their crystal balls and do some business because now you're going to have that chaos everybody's yes. talking about. All right, we got you rolling six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight. Let's go. We got sixteen games. There, there are a few like you know, Sun Belt has got a few regular season matchups, wind up matchups that they've got coming up this week. Phil mentioned, of course, Bedlam, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. It's the de facto championship game, as we said. So let's get at it again. Six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight. Let's uh, check in with our man Tommy. Tommy has got his sights set on Indianapolis. 
and that Big Ten championship game. You're our quarterback today, Tommy. First guy out of the huddle. Welcome to Strongest Steel. How you doing? Doing well, guys. It's great to be on the uh, show with you as opposed to tweeting in, as I always do. But as a Penn State alum, I'm a little nervous about this week, specifically with Penn State playing from behind or really picking it up in the second half. I don't think that Wisconsin is the uh, type of team that they want to go up against in that situation. Interested to get your take on the Big Ten title game. Yeah, and we appreciate the uh, call this week, Tommy, and uh, all the tweets you've been giving us all season long. Uh, you know, I agree with you. You look at t- Tennessee earlier in the year. Remember, they used to let teams get ahead of them and then come back in the second half. Then they end up eventually coming back and biting them. Now, this game is interesting to me because if you played it after five weeks, we were into the season, five games into the season, I would have favored Wisconsin by about 17 points in this game. They were clearly the far superior team to Penn State. Now, Penn State early in the year was had a depleted linebacking core, but they've got the linebackers back. Cabinda and Bell have both been highly productive. The defense has had a lot more bite. And interestingly, going over my computer ratings over the last five games, now my computer grades out each team, it gives an average game grade that they're playing at, takes into account the strength of opponents you play, not just the score of the game, but the yards in the game, where the game was at, what you were supposed to do, what you did do in the game, uh, those factors included. Over the last five games, uh, Penn State is playing at a much higher average game grade level. In fact, it's uh, over 100 uh, points per game, about 105.6 over the last five weeks. Meanwhile, Wisconsin, which was so dominant early and had their big games early, have only been playing at a 93.9 level the last uh, five weeks. So if you look just the last five weeks, now Penn State should be a 12-point favorite in the game. And I think when you break it down, with Penn State's much-improved defense, while there's no doubt Wisconsin has one of the best defenses in the country, I think Penn State's is playing a lot better and is close to Wisconsin. I still give the edge here to Wisconsin. But quarterback-wise, who are you going to take? The Hornerbrook-Houston combination, or how about Trace McSorley? McSorley's got a 21-5 ratio. Hornerbrook and Houston have a 13-10 to ratio. Running the football, McSorley's run for 372 yards. Barkley did get banged up last week, Saquon Barkley, but should be able to play here. So a massive quarterback edge to Penn State. And how about the special teams? Penn State comes in with my number 30-rated special teams. Wisconsin just number 88. We've seen some block kicks by Penn State this year. Ask some Ohio State fans about that that have been pretty important. Penn State comes in having covered eight in a row, and I just think they're playing better football right now. So bottom line, I'm going to talk for Penn State to pull the upset here in the Big Ten title game, and appreciate the call, Tommy. Yeah, Phil, okay, so just for a sake of fun, because we like to, Phil and I like to do this, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, Phil and I will put an ice cream soda on. I'm going to take Wisconsin, and I realize that uh, they're banged up at quarterback in this, but Phil, I think uh, I think you're going to see Paul Chris go to a lot more of Bart Houston, his senior in this one, uh, because Hornibrook has been banged up. And defensively, I, I just don't see Penn State doing a whole lot of business against uh, against this Wisconsin defense. So, Phil, you got Penn State. I'll take Wisconsin, and and and, and we'll see how this baby comes out. How's that? Yeah, and uh, you know, I'll say this, Michael. And I'll take that bet. Yes, and uh, <laughs> when you when you look at Penn State, they've been a completely different game team since they've got that upset of Ohio State. 
I think had they not beaten Ohio State and gained that confidence level, completely different. And you look at the five games since then, that offense has put up 62, 41, 45, 39, and 45. Iowa, by the way, the game they beat Iowa, that was by far Iowa's worst game of the season, not even close. Iowa beat Michigan, uh, gave Wisconsin a great football game, but they just thrashed Iowa with a 599 to 234-yard edge. So I really like the way Penn State's going, and uh, we'll have to we'll meet you down at the ice cream parlor for the, that bet. Yeah, absolutely, sarsaparilla, and no question about it. So <laughs> Phil and I've got that. <laughs> We've got that on the line. So Phil likes Penn State. It sounds like kind of a, a two touchdown big. Are we talking like that? No, no. I'd, I'd like them to win the game, but no, this, okay. you've got two outstanding defenses here. I don't expect a lot of points on the board in this one. And uh, frankly, I'm a little surprised the numbers up there at 48 because these are two of the better no. defenses out there. That should be an intriguing football game, and that is Saturday night, of course. Uh, our friends from Fox will televise out of Indianapolis. All right, 646-668-2248. One in the bag, 15 more to go. Let's uh, head to the city of Broad Shoulders, Chicago, Illinois. Here's Jay as we welcome him to Strong as Steel. What's going on, Jay? How are you? Doing well, guys. Good to be back on this week. I uh, want to talk some matching championship with uh, Western Michigan and Ohio. Uh, yeah, I mean, Western Michigan's putting together a, a dream season. I like them to, uh, you know, really uh, win this game in a blowout. I was really impressed with what they did against uh, Toledo last week. And uh, I like them to lock up this game and uh, lock in that uh, New Year's Six Bowl game. All right, appreciate the call, Jay. And uh, Jay, I think you have an uncanny uh, knack for picking out Michael Regai's Mac game of the week. Of course, this week it wasn't too tough <laughs> to pick out that Mac game of the week. So uh, I'm I'm going to turn it over to uh, my buddy Michael to uh, break down this uh, big Mac Maction game. Yeah, Phil, we could start analyzing a couple of other spring games if you like. If you want to steer away from this one, but, but other than that. Uh, I, I think this is the only way we can go. Look, normally Phil and I were joking before we started here, Jay and uh, and everybody, and great to have all of you with us today. By the way, uh, now normally Phil said to me, uh, hey, Michael, uh, Western Michigan's favored by eighteen and a half. Now normally I, I don't even need to know much more in this game in a MAC championship game. I'm 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 taking that uh, that eighteen and a half, and I'm running to get myself in position to do something with that. However, Phil, in this one, um, here's the rub. We don't need to, I won't even spend a lot of time on it. Look, you know how much I love Frank Solich and love his program, and they're tough, and they're all, they might be the toughest team in the MAC year in and year out. But they're offensively challenged, and they don't create a lot of explosion plays. Quentin Maxwell, their quarterback, you know, a young guy, uh, he's, he's developed and doing nicely, but the explosion plays with the offense just aren't there. So Solich hangs his hat on playing that rock sturdy defense, hopefully shortening the game, playing it, uh, you know, a, a little bit, as I said, shorten it, uh, limit the possessions, hopefully be able to run the football, thereby keeping Western Michigan's offense off the field. But, Phil, in this one, I just think that P.J. Flex, Zach Terrell, what a year he's had, you know, 30 TDs to just one pick. Corey Davis, the all-time FBS leader in receiving yards and a touchdown machine with 17 of them. Jarvion Franklin, Jamari Bogan, defense that's excellent. Phil, I got a feeling that this one could get out of hand, and as much as I don't like to do it because of my admiration for Frank Solich, I think that Western Michigan is going to really get out of the gate early 
and win this one handily. So I'll take Western Michigan, even coughing up that absurd number that Phil Steele says it is at 18-and-a-half. How about you, Phil? Uh, computers got this one 38 to 13 Western Michigan. So in agreement with you this week, Michael. And uh, here's a little trivia question for you: Who did Zach Ter- yeah. Terrell throw that interception against? What? Well, there's a great question. I should know this. It was very early, I believe. No, no, it was middle of the season. Eastern Michigan. Yeah, he had a good year, good game. Michigan Twenty picked him. Tw- 29 to 35 for 403 yards, but one of his six incompletions, yeah. and it was Eastern yeah. Michigan at that lone interception. That's that's very cool. That's a good trivia question. Well, we can hang out with our guys when we have our sarsaparillas and ask that one. Phil, real quick, how about <laughs> some congrats? Right? How about some congrats to congrats to Chris Creighton in his Eastern Michigan Eagles seven and five. Phil beat Central Michigan. Uh, I called it last uh, week. The first time since 1987 that they're going to a bowl game. Creighton's doing a terrific job. Congratulations to him and his staff. And you want to call that bowl game, Michael, because it's the Bahamas Bowl, and they're going to play Old I, Dominion. I and uh, yeah, out there in Atlantis, it is a beautiful place to do a bowl game. So if they contact you, I, keep me in mind for being the uh, play-by or the uh, the color guy, because I, I will guy. definitely head yeah. out there with you. I'm going to send that email when we get off done today on the show to see if we can finagle our way into that. That would be great. Yeah, now, I'm with you on yeah. that. Last year, they I think they gave it to uh, uh, Lou Holtz, Mark May, they, they had all-star cast. I, I think there's a line out the door for that one. <laughs> yeah, that's the way, because you get in three days ahead of it to go to practices and talk to the coaches. So it'll be fun. All right, 646-668-2248. Hey, got to give you we, – we love Twitter so much, and real soon here we're going to be hearing from our very outstanding producer, Jim Nabosna. Tweet at the show, at Phil Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E-042, at Michael Regi, R-E-G-H-I, at Jim underscore Nabozna, N-A-B-O-Z-N-A. We'll go get to you. We, we love your social media interaction with us, so we can do that as well. Phil, here we go. Let's go. Let's let's. Uh, I tell you what. Let's get into some of these games that are uh, that are still regular season windups. Okay. Uh, let's go. Uh, let's go into the Big Twelve. Kansas State at TCU on Saturday. You know, I think it's going to be a highly competitive. I think it's going to be a highly competitive game. You got TCU. They just clinched a bowl spot last week with that win over Texas. You know, the first half they were sort of lethargic. They didn't. They weren't doing very well against Texas, but played extremely well in the second half and ended up winning thirty-one to nine. Uh, Kenny Hill's always a wild card at the quarterback spot. He's got fifteen touchdown passes, but his thirteen interceptions and uh, mm. the throat slash against Arkansas have all been things that have cost TCU. They have three close losses on the year and two blowout losses. Kansas State, Bill Snyder, one of the best underdog coaches out there. Now, Jesse Ertz, their starting quarterback, got banged up last week. He had to come out of the game. I do expect him to play. Defensively, uh, you, the edge here actually goes to TCU. They're holding their Big 12 opponents at 66 yards below their season average. Kansas State just 23, which is surprising to me because watching K-State this year, I always felt they had the better defense, but number-wise they're not there. Offensively, you know, Kansas State's averaging 85 yards per game less than what their opponents normally allow in Big 12 play. So they're not explosive. They do it with defense and special teams. TCU's been doing sort of the same thing this year as well. I think TCU's a slightly better team and at home, 
But how do you go against Bill Snyder as an underdog? So probably my favorite thing in the TCU-Kansas State game uh, with these two defenses they have on the field will probably be under the 52.5 in that game. It seems like a, a lot of points for either of the two teams to be up there, and both offenses have been rather inconsistent this year. So uh, my final answer, uh, Michael, is going to be under 52.5. All right. All right. So Phil likes, uh, you know, not a side here, but uh, take the uh, take the under, take the total. All right. I so think we should have uh, some continue. Twitter questions in case they've got some on the games that we're going to cover. Yeah, well, okay then. Let's do that. Jim Nabosna, front and center, sir. You've been you've been ordered up by uh, the maestro, Phil Steele. So, hey, Jimmy, welcome. Hope you're doing well. Hope Thanksgiving was well. And uh, I know you're always loaded on the Twitter side, so fire away. I'm ready to go. We'll stay in the Big 12. Kevin Smith wants to know if Baylor mailed it in for the season, or do you see them covering the large 17-point spread in Morgantown? You know, it certainly appears like Baylor has done exactly that. Uh, they're just not the same team under Jim Grobe. In fact, Grobe actually made a comment. He said, we were 5-0 and at one point, but I saw some things under the radar which I thought we were going to have a poor second half of the season. Now, I will say this. Uh, they did lose their starting quarterback, Seth Russell. Zach Smith uh, is a powerful, strong-armed freshman QB. Remember, uh, their backup quarterback left the team prior to the year. Smith has been throwing for a decent amount of yards. He had 377 last week against Texas Tech, but they're being done in by turnovers. The last four games, they have been minus eight in turnovers combined. Uh, You go back to the Texas Tech game last week, they actually had the yardage edge in it, or close yards, I should say. They had a 32-24 first down edge. Kansas State, uh, turnovers did them in. Oklahoma beat them by 21, but once again, the yards were close. So they're they're putting up the yards, which means they haven't completely mailed it in. I could see if they were getting blown out on, on the scoreboard as well as on the field. But, yeah, this is West Virginia's home finale. you got Baylor traveling up uh, to uh, West Virginia. It'll probably be cold weather for that game, cold for the Baylor kids at least. And uh, West Virginia's a team that's got a powerful rush attack. Justin Crawford, uh, Kenny McCoy running the football, Russell Shell back there in the backfield, Skylar Howard having uh, finally a, a less inconsistent year than he normally has. I got to go with West Virginia to win this one by about three touchdowns. I think it's going to be tough for Baylor to stay with this one late in the game, whereas I think you'll see West Virginia playing this one uh, in the fourth quarter. Appreciate the uh, tweet there, Kevin. Mike Adamchek taking it to the American Conference Championship says. Temple is the best defense Navy has played in quite a while. Do you think they keep the option attack rolling? It's tough to slow down Navy in the second half of the year. I pointed this out in the magazine for years. Navy, if you look at them at the start of the year, usually averages about 28 points per game. Second half of the year, 42 to 50 points per game. And it's been true to force this year. But, you know, running, or putting up 66 points on East Carolina and 75 on SMU is a different animal than what this Temple team brings to the table because, as you correctly touch on, uh, you've got Temple as a team that's got the best defense in the AAC. They're only allowing on the season 247 yards per game in league play, holding their opponents to 177 yards below their season average. So that's dynamic. Now, they did have two option teams they've uh, faced so far this year. They played Army back in week one. They got run off for 329 yards, but they played the option against Tulane two weeks ago, held them to eight first downs, 142 total yards in the game, uh, showing that they know how to defend the option. They have the defensive players. Now, Philip Walker, their starting quarterback, was in a walking boot on Tuesday. If the game was played on Tuesday, he wouldn't be able to go here. 
Uh, also, their running back, Raquel Armstead, is a little banged up. But remember, they still have Jihad Thomas. And I, I think both Walker and Armstead will both end up playing in this one. Navy's defense doesn't come anywhere near what Temple has. They're actually allowing opponents eight yards above their season average. But with the way the option controls the clock, I can see this being a, a maybe a lower scoring game than what's expected. But I'm going to lean with Navy, even though that Temple is on a nine-game ATS winning streak and has the better defense. I just find it tough to go against that Navy offense, especially at home. So Ken Niamatololo might just get his first ever conference championship, and that would be the first ever conference championship in Navy history. Of course, they've only been playing in conference play for two years. Appreciate the uh, tweet there, Mike. Yeah, good stuff. And real quick, Jimmy, Phil, I'm I'm going to go with that real quick, Jim. I'm going to go with that Temple defense, Phil. I think Phil Snow has uh, done an incredible job with Matt Rule, the head coach, and his defense. So, you know, again, if you want to, just to have a little fun. Uh, I, I love Niamatololo, you know that, but I'm going to I'm going to say Temple is going to find a way to get them uh, controlled, contained, and win this football game. So we got All our right, second Tom. one. We're going against each other. Sounds good. I'm marking them down. Michael. All right, Jimmy. Uh, Mountain Miles, can 4-7 and seven Georgia Southern shock 9-2 and two Troy at home and end their four-game skid by using their balanced rushing attack? And, you know, this is a game where I've watched Georgia Southern all year, and I, I can remember uh, mentioning to a couple folks in the office after like three, four weeks, I said, this Georgia Southern team is a fake team. They are not with anywhere near what they were last year. And all you have to do is look at the numbers from last year compared to this year. Last year, their offense was on a roll. They averaged 365 yards per game rush, 6.5 yards per carry. They had Kevin Ellison, Fabian Upshaw, both back to run the option. This year, they've tried to pass the football a little more, which I don't like. And they're only averaging 225 yards per game rush, 4.4 yards per carry, and only completing 53.9% of their passes. Now, hopefully, Tyson Summers or regain his senses and go fully back to the option here. It's the final week of the season. You're at home. Play your strengths. You've got Breida in the backfield, Ellison, and Upshot QB. Now, defensively, they're also nowhere near last year's squad. Last year, they held opponents to 338 yards on the season. This year, they're giving up 403. So two areas they've been lacking, but they're at home. They're off a bye. This is their bowl game. They're not going anywhere. I think we're going to see Georgia Southern play one of its best games of the year. And do keep in mind, while they probably should have lost by more, they only lost to UL Lafayette by seven. They only lost to Ole Miss by ten. Uh, they uh, gave Georgia Tech a game, only lost by eleven. And Arkansas State, the team's other probable co-champ in that conference, they only lost by one, even though they should have lost by more. They so they kept those games fairly close. And with Troy last week, they were on the road at Texas State, and uh, they're playing for a co-championship. But now they got to travel again. And they've got to prep for the option, and they haven't faced the option uh, all year. So a couple of things going in against Troy and in Georgia Southern's favor. I think if you play this game in the middle of the season, play it at a neutral site, I'll take Troy by 17. But given the circumstances here, I like Georgia Southern to keep it close and, just like you said in the tweet, potentially pull the upset. Appreciate the tweet. Bob D., he says Georgia State is making its first ever trip to Idaho this weekend. Does the travel help Idaho cover? I think the travel is a definite plus. They play this game in the Kibbe Dome, and the Kibbe Dome, I think they've got like eight-yard end zones. Michael, you ever call a game from the Kibbe Dome? I have not, but uh, it's 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 closely packed. You're right. It's closely yeah. packed behind each goalpost and end zone. 
Yeah, different different type of setting, and uh, of course it's a it's a snooze crowd there. There'll probably be uh, family and friends on hand for this game, which uh, is a different type of settings. But you know, when I look at Idaho, they've been playing great. Uh, I lo- they went into UL Lafayette, came out with the win. In fact, had the yardage edge there, destroyed Texas State. And last week, while they were outgained by South Alabama, they still pulled out a win against a quality South Alabama team. And uh, so they've been playing pretty good. Matt Linehan's one of the QBs that's completely under the radar. He's at 61%. The one thing I don't like, he's got 10 interceptions to go with 12 touchdowns. I would have thought those numbers would have been a lot better this year. Defensively, uh, they're only allowing five yards above what their opponents normally average. Now, Georgia State, shockingly, fired their head coach, uh, Miles. And now Tim Lapano has taken over. Uh, That really surprised me. They did upset Georgia Southern in their last game, but I thought that Miles had done a tremendous job taking this team that was a very poor FCS team and actually get them to a bowl last year and then not being granted a little bit for uh, for getting them there. But uh, they've at quarterback, they've got Connor Merritt, Manning and uh, Aaron Winchester. Uh, the running game is not special, but they do have some pretty good receivers led by Robert Davis. And defensively, they're holding opponents to 25 yards below their season average. Uh, neither team has much to play for. Idaho has locked up a bowl. You're going to see Idaho in a bowl game this year, even though they're going to the FCS in a couple of years. Uh, but I think that Georgia State can can keep this one closer than expected. Uh, Idaho right now is coming in about a uh, seven-point favorite in the game. I would take the points with the underdog Panthers here on what would be their bowl game. And it's ironically played in the Kibbe Dome. Sean Stokes. Go ahead, Jimmy. A lot of, lot, of, lot, of, lot of great games this weekend, and a lot of people still asking mid-major. Sean Stokes says South Alabama has been tough to figure out this year. At 1-6 in, in conference, should they be 12-point favorites to New Mexico State this weekend? Yeah, I think it depends which South Alabama team shows up on the field. Because as you pointed out, not only are they 1-6 in, in conference play, their one win was over Georgia State by three points, and that was at home. Now, South Alabama's got some talent. I like the way Dallas Davis has been throwing the ball around the yard. He does only have a 9-9 ratio, but this South Alabama team beat Mississippi State. They beat San Diego State, and you know San Diego State's in one of the big games this weekend, the Mountain West title game, yet they've had those head-scratching losses as well, like Idaho, like to ULM, both games on the road. This is at home. Uh, South Alabama right now is playing to get to a bowl game. And if you look at New Mexico State, last week against App State at home, uh, their offensive line got banged up. In fact, at the end of the game, they had four offensive linemen that were out. Also, their quarterback, Tyler Rogers, missed the game with injury. I think Rogers will be back. They should get two of those offensive linemen back, so they'll be in a little bit better shape. Larry Rose, surprisingly, I would have thought Larry Rose definitely tops 1,000 yards rushing this year, 695 yards this year, 5.1 yards per carry. And the biggest difference, probably on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, New Mexico State giving up 102 yards above what their opponents normally come in, averaging 483 yards per game. Uh, Meanwhile, South Alabama much more respectable in that at 420 yards per game. So South Alabama's at home playing for a bowl. New Mexico State's a little bit banged up. Really nothing to play for at 3-8. and I'm going to go with South Alabama and lay the 11. I think they win this one by 14 or more. Appreciate the tweet. All right, Jimmy, we're going to get back at 646-668-2248. Again, conference championship games this weekend. We know all of you want uh, Phil's insights and uh, thoughts and 
how he feels about him, like our man John from New York. John's got the ACC on his mind coming up this week. Hey, John, welcome to Strong as Steel. How are you, man? Well, thanks. I'm great. Hope you guys are doing well also. Absolutely. Hey, uh, hey Phil, um, I was wondering, Clemson seemed to roll last week versus South Carolina, probably one of their best games of the year. Do you think Virginia Tech has the offense to uh, keep up with them and, uh, and win a shootout against them? All right. Appreciate the call, John. And, uh, well, we're talking about one of the big games this weekend. you got to like that. When you, when you look at Clemson, I do think Virginia Tech has the offense to make a game of it, for sure. Uh, you look at Gerard Evans, a QB. He's a, a guy that's uh, stepped in, really adjusted to Fuente's offense. How about 26 touchdown passes, just five interceptions, and he's leading the team in rushing with 713 yards. Trayvon McMillan, a good-sized back. I would have thought to be a little bit more production out of him, but when they're excuse me, relying so much on quarterback runs and passing, that's the reason he's only got 600 yards, but he's capable of having a big game here. And uh, Isaiah Ford's a dangerous receiver. And defensively, Bud Foster's still there. And last year, Bud Foster's defense underachieved. This year, Bud Foster's defense is holding ACC foes uh, to 80 yards below their season uh, average, which is one of the better marks uh, in the country coming in. So I I love Bud Foster's defense. They can create some mistakes, and I think that's going to be the key here. For Virginia Tech to win this game straight up, I think they need to be plus one or plus two in the turnovers. Foster's defense can indeed do that. Now with Clemson, they're a team where if they play up to their talent level, they should win this game by 14 to 21 points. I mean, offensively, they've got Wayne Gallman in the backfield, Deshaun Watson at QB, Mike Williams, one of the best receivers in the country, Jordan Leggett, one of the best tight ends in the country. And defensively, you look at the athletes they have in that defensive front seven, they are loaded. But Clemson doesn't come to play every week and playing with a little bit of pressure here. All they need to do is win, win by one point on a last-second field goal. They're in the playoffs. That's all they need. They don't need style points at this point in the season, but they might be playing a little bit tight. Hence, look at last year's title game against North Carolina. I thought they were a much better team than North Carolina. North Carolina got waxed in the bowl game by Baylor. But in that game, North Carolina had their chances at the end. The onside kick that was really recovered, but not ruled not recovered because of the offsides, and they ended up only winning that game by eight. I think this year's Virginia Tech team is better than that North Carolina team, and I think they'll give Clemson a game. So look for Clemson to play a little tight. They've had a lot of close games this year, six-point win against Auburn, six-point win against Troy, six-point win against Louisville, seven-point win against NC State, three against Florida State, lost to Pitt. Uh, that Clemson Wake Forest game was uh, a little close, but I, I think when you look at the bottom line, I'm going to take Virginia Tech plus the points in this one. Yeah, Phil, listen, i, I got to tell you, and I, I'll, I'll phrase it in the form of a question. I, I've been a big, big admirer of what Justin Fuente has done this year. Phil, I, I, I wasn't sure the transition between, you know, the uh, close to three decades of Frank Beamer and with Fuente taking over was going to, uh, you know, be as consistently smooth as it's been. And, I, hey, you know, the fact that they are right back in the ACC championship game, and it's, I, don't you think that's uh, – that's a pretty strong accomplishment after taking over for Beamer. Uh, I do, but I think the one big thing he had going for him is generally when a new head coach comes into a program, he has to learn all the players' strengths and weaknesses. Players have to learn brand-new schemes on both sides of the ball. Didn't happen here. Best hire, Bud Foster. 
keeping Bud, I mean, you know, Bud Foster knows every single player in that team, offensively and defensively. He could sit down with Fuente and explain strengths, weaknesses, everything about him. Defense has been kept the same. All the defensive players are in the same system. So really, the only change is probably where they needed the change, and that's on the offensive side of the ball, bringing in his offensive mind to take over those athletes, and then to bring in a JUCO like Jared Evans really helped because yeah. he's a guy that was sure. recruited for this system. So I think it was the perfect match. Had he not maintained Foster, I don't think you'd see Virginia Tech in the ACC title game. Wow. So Phil says uh, Bud Foster is the, the de facto head football coach. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm no, saying he was no, the key no, I, no, the I transition. Get you. I'm having fun. The transition. I, I know. I, I got you. I'm having fun. I love Coach Foster as well. Uh, so we'll see if Virginia Tech, as uh, Phil said, can keep that baby close. All right, 646-668-2248. That's how you get on board. Phil, let's keep rolling here. And uh, well, let's let's stay in the vein of the uh, the conference championship game, shall we? Let's go to Conference USA. Now they're in there. That uh, it's not Power Five. This is the Group of Five. But I will tell Phil and I are uh, kind of large fans of uh, what these programs have uh, got accomplished the last couple years. Phil, Louisiana Tech and Western Kentucky at noon on Saturday, and now both these programs can play. Don't sleep on them as you break it down for us. Yeah, and these two actually met this year, and what a game it was. It was on a Thursday night. Louisiana Tech hosted the game, and Louisiana Tech jumped out to a big lead. In fact, at one point, you're thinking, you know what? I think I might shut the set off pretty soon. This thing's headed for a blowout. It was 49-24, to Louisiana Tech. And then, frankly, I think they let up. They let Western Kentucky back in the game. And Western Kentucky, uh, thanks to a blocked punt for a touchdown with five minutes to go, uh, got back to 55-52 at the end. But Louisiana Tech held on. Now, Louisiana Tech would have hosted this game had they not blown off last week's game. They were taking on Southern Miss on the road. They had clinched their division. Uh, had they won that game, they would be hosting this game. But Mull, or, uh, Southern Miss's QB had a fantastic game. Uh, coming back from injury, just lit him up top to bottom, threw for 342 yards. He had 29 of 33 passes against him. And frankly, I think Louisiana Tech did let up. They were playing just a, a Southern Miss team that came into the game with six losses. Nick Mullins threw the ball all over the field on him, and they ended up losing 39-25. The, the negative thing for them there, they now have to play Western Kentucky on the road. And I think that Jeff Brom's done a fantastic job at Western Kentucky. It doesn't matter who he has at quarterback. He had a pretty good QB in Brandon Doughty. He's replaced him with Mike White, who was an average quarterback at South Florida, but Mike White's thrown for uh, 3,500 yards. He's got a 31-5 ratio. He's got an outstanding running back in Anthony Wales, 1,000-yard rusher, a couple 1,000-yard receivers in Tuan Taylor and Nicholas Norris. You look at the two teams defensively, Louisiana Tech's good. They're holding their conference opponents 28 yards below their season average, but Western Kentucky's better. They're holding their opponents to 75 yards below their season average. In fact, on the year, Western even though they went into uh, Louisiana Tech in that game, uh, they have got a 205 yards per game advantage in conference play. Louisiana Tech just 99. So I think Western's playing better ball. They're playing better ball right now. And they get this game at home. They've got conference title experience already uh, because they've played in the conference title game. Uh, so add it all up. I'm going to go with Western by double digits in this one, even though Louisiana Tech beat them in the first game. Yep. Phil, I'm with you. Love everything. You you laid it all out beautifully. Jeff Brom, terrific, like Western Kentucky. 
All right, strong as steel is what you're locked into. We're going through each and every one. 16 games this weekend. Some of them are a Power 5 Conference Championship games, couple Group of 5 Conference Championship games, and their regular season finales for squads out of uh, the Sun Belt most uh, prominently. Phil, we touched on it at the top just to say you think it's the best one, but I need to hear your breakdown and assessment of Bedlam, man. Number Oklahoma State in Oklahoma. It's the de facto Big 12 championship game. It is in Norman, Oklahoma this year, and two teams that are on a roll. How you see it, Phil? Yeah, and I think Oklahoma State's playing some pretty good ball. I'm very impressed with them in their last game at TCU. Now, prior to that, there's a lot of question marks with Oklahoma State. They, of course, lost the game to Central early in the year where they probably sh- they yep. shouldn't have lost because of the, the controversy of play. Everybody knows about that. The Baylor game they lost on the road. Uh, Iowa State, they pr- probably could have gotten beat by Iowa State at home. A couple of defensive scores helped them out in that. They went 38-31. to or the Kansas game is one of defensive scores. They played Kansas on the road closer than the 44-20 to final. Two defensive scores helped them get margin there. West Virginia at home, they get outgained by 63 yards, but were plus three in turnovers. Kansas State, they trailed by two scores in the fourth quarter, uh, but pull out a 43-37 win. And Texas Tech misses an extra point, or the game would have gone overtime. They beat them by one. So nothing dominant until their last game. TCU, dominant win for Oklahoma State, and I'd say that, uh, that that helps them out a little bit. Justice Hill, the freshman quarterback, has really solved what had been hurting them because they had not had a rush attack. You look at them last year, and you look at them in the first six games this year, they're averaging under three yards a carry. Justice Hill averages 5.6 yards per carry, and they've got one of the best receivers in the country uh, in James Washington. Now, Oklahoma, we all know their weapons. Mixon, P. Ryan in the backfield, Baker Mayfield at QB, D.D. Westbrook, I'll call him the best wide receiver in the country this year. I think he ends up winning the Bolitnikoff Award. Now, they had a couple of close games, but most of their games have been of the blowout variety where they haven't been tested or have been up big and then sort of toyed around at the end of the game. Last year, uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State were playing a big game. Oklahoma went on the road and won 58-23. to The last time here, Oklahoma had the game wrapped up. They were uh, winning the game comfortably, uh, but they allowed a late punt return. They actually punted off. Uh, punted the ball, and Tyreek Hill uh, was tackled at the six-yard line. There was a penalty on Oklahoma State, and for some reason, Stoops took the penalty. They punted to Tyreek Hill again, and this time took it for a touchdown and the tie, and they ended up losing in overtime. But I believe they led that game 21 or 28 to nothing, something like that. So I think if Oklahoma gets a lead, they're not going to let up this time. I do feel they're playing better football right now, and even though Oklahoma State's a, a quality team, deserved to be here, I like Oklahoma to win this one by a couple of touchdowns. Yep, I'm with you on that. So we will uh, we'll just lay that one and enjoy Bedlam coming up on Saturday. Strong as steel coming at you. Jump in with us. You want to know about some conference championship games this weekend? We still got a couple to go through. Six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight. Tweet at the show at Phil Steele zero four two at Michael Regai at Jim underscore Nabozna, N-A-B-O-Z-N-A. Phil, I'm a little bit intrigued, and and maybe winter weather is going to play into this one. Let's uh, go out to the Mountain West, where, I mean, I think we can agree. Everybody thought that, all right, you know, San Diego State, they might be the squad to rule the West, and that's how it turned out. But, Phil, when you look at the Mountain side, the Mountain Division, I mean, I think most of us, what, Boise State, Air Force, maybe even Utah State, and here comes Wyoming. 
How have they um, navigated their way through the mountain to get their way into this conference championship game against San Diego State this weekend? Well, I tell you what, it's taken uh, Craig Bull three years to get where they are, but love the offense. Josh Allen at QB. You know, last year he was going to go come into the season, Josh Allen's going to be the QB. Gets injured in the opening game of the season, sort of threw the team into turmoil. Josh Allen stuck around all year, been healthy, 23 touchdowns, just 11 interceptions. He's run for 487 yards. Then you look at the running back, Brian Hill, one of the better running backs in the country you never heard of, 1,674 yards, 5.1 yards, 5.5 yards a carry, and 21 touchdowns. He's got a 1,000-yard receiver in Tanner Gentry. The offensive line doing a good job protecting the quarterback, too. Just 22 sacks on the year. So that's how they've done it. They won the big game against Boise at home, which was huge, and then knocked off San Diego State. Just when you thought they were going to slip back and allow Boise to win the Mountain West, they upset San Diego State, a game San Diego State led almost start to finish, but gave up the, the late score and ended up losing there. And then San Diego State actually had the tying touchdown, but they went for two and got stopped. Now, with San Diego State, it's sort of different. They opened up the season in dominating fashion. In fact, they don't give up any points at all on the defensive side of the ball in their first six Mountain West games. But then they clinched the division, and I'm surprised. Rocky Long is a pretty level-headed guy. I don't think Rocky Long's teams ever get caught looking ahead or relaxing, but they appeared to relax a little bit in their final two games. Wyoming, and definitely last week against Colorado State. They had nothing to play for, maybe except hosting this game in sunny San Diego rather than traveling to Wyoming. But that loss to Colorado State, a 63-31 loss, will hurt them, and now they've got to travel to Wyoming. Now, the early forecast I've got on this one, Michael, Actually, not bad for Wyoming. This time of year, I'd expect snow, but it's 30 degrees. They will have about 20-mile-an-hour winds and partly cloudy on the day. So that's the early forecast here. I don't think we're going to see uh, snow for the game. Now, the reason I like San Diego State here is on the other side of the ball. Well, I can talk San Diego State's got Donnell Pumphrey. And the thing about Pumphrey is going to become the all-time career-leading rusher in FBS history, topping Ron Dane. It's quite an accomplishment. They also got Rashad Penny in the backfield, and he might even be a little bit more explosive. He's a little bit bigger. He averages eight yards a carry, dynamic. And Chapman's playing okay at quarterback, not quite to the Josh Allen level. But, hey, 19 touchdowns, five interceptions, can't complain. But let's look at defense. Even blowing their last two games, even giving up yards and points, San Diego State on the year in conference play is giving up 297 yards per game. They're holding opponents to 106 yards below their season average. Wyoming, they're giving up 491 yards per game. That's 200 yards per game, Michael. I know you got the calculator out over there. Uh, yeah. 66, 66 yards above what their opponents come in averaging. So even though it's chilly weather, which benefits Wyoming, and they've got the offense, I think the offenses are close. Massive defensive edge to San Diego State. And I think, hopefully, for Long, he can flip the switch because they've sort of flipped the switch off after they clinched the division. If they flip the switch on this week, I think the Aztecs go out there and win that one by double digits. Okay. Yep. I'm with you on that. I, uh, they, they are getting a break. Initial, last week they were talking about maybe six inches of snow in Laramie at game time. So if, uh, if it plays out that it's uh, clear and no snow, I, I do think that favors them. Strongest steel is what we are. They have familiarity ahead, with the site. They have familiarity with the site. They were just here two weeks ago. 
You're right. That helps out a lot. No question about it. We're rolling through the conference championship games and some regular season finales, most notably uh, in the Sun Belt. Phil, let's swing to uh, Friday night because the one I think that has probably gained the most attention is the one that uh, is going to air on Fox on Friday night out of Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara, California, when the Colorado Buffaloes, who've been on a strong roll, go tangle with the Washington Huskies, number four in uh, the the latest um, uh, college football playoff rankings. Phil, a couple weeks ago, we saw Washington, and we thought, wait a minute, man, USC just took them to the woodshed in Seattle. Now, then they rebounded in the Apple Cup. How do you see Washington handling this type of environment on a uh, Colorado squad that's on a roll? You know, and earlier this year, Colorado played USC, and USC in that game had a 539-371 to yard edge. And USC had not quite reached the peak that they're at now when they played Colorado back in Week 6. They were just getting their feet under them under Darnold. Now USC, arguably, one of the top teams in the country. I don't think anybody would want to play USC right now. So that's, no, that's a, no. I mean, they are clearly their their defensive line at the start of the year was very inexperienced. First four games gave up like 250 yards per game, but they are just shutting teams down run wise, getting pressure on the QB, and they've got great skill players. But this isn't about USC; it's about Washington and Colorado. And I'm gonna say this: I've got a vote in all these college coach of the years. I think my vote's probably going to go to Mike McIntyre at uh, Colorado. I mean, this is a team that has struggled the last two years. I remember talking to Coach McIntyre over the summer. He was banking on the, or over the spring, I should say, he was banking on the fact that Davis Webb was going to go there. Davis Webb, of course, ended up changing his mind and going to Cal. Alufau, their quarterback, was banged up. He didn't know if he'd even be able to play this year. Yet this is a junior-senior-laden team. And look at the numbers. Offensively, they run for 200 yards per game. They throw for 270 yards per game. Defensively, they hold opponents to 3.9 yards per game rush and hold opponents to 49% completions. That's a quality team balanced on both sides of the ball. Washington, though, has similar numbers. I mean, uh, 205 yards per game. Uh, offensively, they throw for more. They average uh, 300 or uh, 280 yards per game passing. Defensively, 3.5 and a good pass defense. In fact, if you look at talk to NFL guys and you talk secondary, Washington's secondary's got numerous NFL guys led by Buda Baker, uh, probably three NFL candidates out of their four starters at the defensive back spot. Now, let's look at explosiveness. If you look at Colorado, they've got Sifo Lufa, who's having a great season, thrown for 2,150 yards this year, 11 touchdowns, four interceptions. Jake Browning, how about 40 touchdowns, seven interceptions, I'm going to give the edge there to Washington. Now let's look at the running backs. Uh, Colorado's got a 1,000-yard rusher, and they have their top two running backs this year for Colorado have combined for 1,482 yards, five yards a carry. Those are good numbers. Colorado's top two rushers have combined for 1,915 yards, 6.6 yards per carry. So almost uh, two yards a carry more for the Washington running backs are more explosive. Now let's look at the receivers. Colorado's top three receivers uh, actually caught more passes this year than did the top three receivers for Washington. But Washington's guys have 350 more yards. They average 16.2 yards per catch. Colorado just 10.4. And Washington's receivers have hauled in those top three, 35 touchdowns, Colorado 16. So I think better athletes on the defensive side of the ball, more explosive athletes on offense. And then here's the clincher, Michael. I'm going to go with the special teams. 
We saw last week with Colorado against Utah, their special teams has probably been their biggest weakness of the season. In fact, they rate number 111 in my special teams rankings. Washington is dangerous on special teams. They can put a player like John Ross back there who can return one for a touchdown. They average or they come in number 41 in my ST rankings. So add it all up, I think Colorado's an excellent team. I just think Washington's superior. I'm going to go with Washington to win this one by over the touchdown. Okay, so uh, you feel like Washington in that one. I, you raise some compelling issues, especially with regard to the explosiveness on offense. Uh, I, I understand that. I, I, I'm gonna, again, just for some fun, I'm gonna take Colorado, and I because if Colorado wins, as we know, Phil, I, I do want to see the college football playoff committee squirm a little bit and get sent into uh, just. Uh, angst as where are we going to go now because i i do think we can agree if washington is to lose they win they're in but if they lose they're not going to hang on to that number four spot right they're they're going to fall out so oh, they're definitely uh, out. Yeah, washington or if yeah. washington or clemson loses they're out and they're going to find a new you team think, to plug into well, those spots so you say for sure with uh, washington of course clemson loss they're out yeah, wouldn't be conference no champs. Chance. Too many close wins on the year, two losses. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I can definitely yep. see. I mean, if you hold them head-to-head against Michigan at that point, neither would be a conference yep. champ, so that wouldn't be a tiebreaker. Clemson, as a conference yep. champ, is in. But if they lose to Virginia Tech, yeah, that would be some chaos. Yeah. And it's, so if that happens, it's going to be very interesting to see. Then you go to 5, 6, 7, and 8, and that is, you know, Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Colorado. So, But we're saying under these, one of Wisconsin, Penn State's going to win, and we're saying a speculation that if Washington were to lose, that would be Colorado a winner. Would they have enough then to jump up over number 5 Michigan to get that fourth spot? That's where the intrigue is going to play in, Agreed? Yeah, and the Big 12 is officially out of it because they're two teams, Oklahoma right. and Oklahoma State. While the best matchup are the only one-two matchup in any conference this weekend, those two are both below both the teams that are in the Pac-12 uh, battle and both the teams that are in the Big 10 battle. So they couldn't possibly jump over the winner of either of those two. Right, there you go. Okay, which takes us then uh, to uh, the SEC championship game, Phil. And again, you guys want to jump in? Still got a little bit more time here. Six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight. Phil, I I don't know. I think the perception is is that this is just a complete absolute mismatch with number one and unbeaten Alabama going to uh, in the Georgia Dome on Saturday play the Florida Gators. This is a repeat of last year's conference championship game, and and Phil. I don't know. I just don't see if Alabama is playing their game. I mean, you know, we, we first of all, we didn't think it was going to be Florida. I think most of us thought it would probably be Tennessee from the right? And, and so Absolutely. it's Florida. And I, I, how, how do, you know, again, is this thing going to get way out of hand if Alabama is uh, coming with uh, their normal here on Saturday? Well, keep in mind, uh, last year, when Alabama played Florida, they were a huge favorite in that game, but only won it 29 to 15. In fact, it was 12, seven at the half Florida had that return touchdown, which was huge. And uh, so, I mean, the yards were big at the half, but somehow, some way Florida hung in the game. And just a couple of weeks ago, they played LSU. They were overmatched against LSU. Uh, they, in fact, they were outgained in that game, uh, 423 to 270 out first down 23 to 14, but somehow that banged up defense, 
cobbled together the effort, and they had three times LSU got inside the 10-yard line and did not score a point. And you look at the scoreboard at the end of the game, it's Florida, 16-10. to 10. Now, last week it caught up with them against Florida State. Florida State handled them easy, but that's with look-ahead to Alabama coming off that big win and very banged up. Now, Florida could very well. Once again, be without six defensive starters here. Anzalone and Davis mm. at the linebacking core made their number three tackler at safety. Another safety and two defensive linemen could all miss this game. That's not good when you're going against Alabama. And, you know, Alabama only beat Auburn by 18 last week, but they had a 501 to 182 yard edge, 26 to 7 first down edge. I think you'll see Jalen Hurts throw the football down the, down the field a little bit more, although. Florida two cornerbacks played extremely well again last week. They still have quality cornerbacks, and they still have quality athletes coming in, stepping in for these injured players. So, you know, they held Florida State to uh, 95 yards below their season average last week. Uh, they've actually been playing decent, even though they're all banged up on the defensive side. Now, offensively, how are they going to score? That's what your biggest question is. I mean, Luke Del Rio right. might be able yep. to return, but uh, I don't think a banged up Luke Del Rio is going to do much better. Now, Snapple's done. Jordan Scarlett's quality back. They got to get the ball in the hands of Antonio Callaway. He's probably their one game breaker they have. But this is an Alabama defense that's holding opponents to 203 yards below their season average. It's the best mark in the country, as you would expect. They're allowing 69 yards per game on the ground and 51% completion. So I think that Florida's going to have to generate a special teams touchdown, a defensive touchdown to really stay in the game. Other than that, Bama should be able to win this one. And the number is prohibitive for a title game at 24 Mm. points, as you mentioned. So, I mean, that's a large, large number, but – I can't see myself going. I can't see myself going against Alabama, but I can see the value. Can see the value on Florida in this one, but I would probably lean with the Tide. All right, value, but you just couldn't pull the trigger on taking those points and going the other way, huh? Yeah, it might be. It might be uh, going back to your uh, your Michigan Penn State scenario, where Penn State was, you know, banged up, and their offense had been underperforming, and Michigan just throttled them in that game. It could be a similar game to that, if. Florida doesn't catch a break or if they don't stop Alabama in the red zone and hold them to three or zero points. Yeah, I hear you. Okay, I I believe. All right, so Phil, uh, to my best look here, we've hit all the conference championship games. I do see a couple from the uh, from the Sun Belt that uh, right we've got uh, Louisiana and Louisiana Monroe and I also think we uh, we haven't touched on Arkansas State and Texas State. Correct. Those are our final two from the uh, the Sun Belt that need to be discussed. Let's start with right. Let's start with uh, Louisiana and uh, Louisiana Monroe, a Sun Belt uh, regular season finale. And, and we should definitely be able to squeeze in both games and get into the full sixteen. I do not have a TV show this week, Michael, so we don't have to cut it off early if we don't get there. And you know, as you mentioned, if you're still time to get in, so if you have a question that's not about one of the games, just a general college football question. Feel free to give us a call sure. at 646-668-2248. That's 646-668-2248. But let's touch on this. Uh, ULL, and you know what, Michael? We're going to have to stop calling them ULL or UL Lafayette because no. they got permission Louisiana. from the Sun Belt to just call them Louisiana. And ULM fans That's are right. not too happy about that because they feel they're the University yeah. of Louisiana. But uh, <laughs> I know, I know in, the, in the magazine, I, I actually used Louisiana a couple years ago. 
uh, because that's what the school requested. I figured, hey, if the school's requesting that's their name, then that's their name, right? And ULM yep. fans were just all over me. How can you call them Louisiana? So, you know, this year we shifted back to the UL Lafayette, but now the Sun Belt's okayed it. So I guess that's what we're going to have to do next year. So don't bombard mm-hmm. me with emails and, and tweets there, ULM <laughs> fans. I understand, but if the school wants it and the conference wants it, it's almost like you have to do it, right? But let's take a look at this yep. matchup. And I think ULL or Louisiana or whatever you want to call them, the Raging Cajuns, how about that? Uh, they are yeah. actually one of the better teams in the Sun Belt. Now, last week they were outgained 521 to 292, but that was against Arkansas State. Arkansas State's probably the best team in the Sun Belt. They got fortunate. They were out first down 28 to 15, but they came up on the right end of the scoreboard 24-19. That has got them to five wins. They need a win for the six. And if you follow this rivalry, and it is a legitimate rivalry, these two schools do not like each other. They play the final game of the year almost every single year. The visitor does extremely well. The visitors travel there. They have a decent support of the crowd, and, and it's a bitter-hated robbery. I like the way Anthony Jennings is playing at QB now for uh, Louisiana. He's getting better down the stretch. He's, of course, the LSU transfer, started games at LSU. Elijah McGuire, one of the better running backs in the country. And defensively, they're holding teams to 12 yards below their season average. Watch the defensive front of Lafayette here. They are one of the better defensive fronts in the Sun Belt and uh, are only allowing 3.3 yards per carry. On the flip side of the coin, ULM, I know they have nothing to play for, but they haven't given up down the stretch. I mean, they beat South Alabama. They beat Georgia State. They've got a new head coach. They're trying for some momentum, and it's a robbery game. Uh, but I look at their running back situation. They've got Luckett and Kofi both back there at running back. Neither one is good as McGuire. And you look at the receiving core, I still give the receiving core to UL, and the defense clearly goes to the Raging Cajuns because ULM's uh, defense has given up 91 yards above their season average. How about 5.9 yards per carry on the season? While UOL are Raging Cajuns, 3.3 yards per carry. Uh, more sacks from the uh, Raging Cajuns. So I just think they're the better team. And even though this game's on the road, with the history of the series, the way the road teams have played, I think that the better team is able to get this one, even on the road. They they may have a decent amount of fans there as well. So I'm going to lay the 6.5 in a robbery game and take the visiting Louisiana Raging Cajuns. There you go, and that's our great Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Phil says it the way the Sun Belt wants. You know, Phil, for, you know what, too? A uh, good friend, Carl Benson, former commissioner of the MAC, yeah. is the commissioner of the Sun Belt. So, you know, I'm going to give Carl a call, and we, we'll have him come on one of our, our shows, and he can give us the, the real deal, right? The lowdown on how. I, I think we should uh, do that next week. I think we should do that next do week. It. Definitely. Right. I'll call Carl up and we can talk about uh, all things SBC next week and we can get into the whether it's, you know, Louisiana Lafayette, we're going to drop the Lafayette. What about Louisiana Monroe? He'll straighten it all out for us. How's that? That sounds good. I think we have one That'll be last fun. game to cover. One more. Yep. Arkansas State and Texas State. You just said it. Arkansas State. Listen now. That's, hey, I, I like the Red Wolves program, Phil. They, you know, they they they've got some juice. Yeah, and they're they're playing well. You know, as mentioned last week, you know they went in Detroit two weeks ago and beat them thirty-five to three. Last week they should have beaten UL Lafayette. Uh, they had a 521 to 297 yard edge, outgained them by 229 yards, out first, sound them by 13. They've got Justice Hansen, uh, the uh, the transfer from Oklahoma at QB, who took over for Chad Voitek. With Voitek early in the season, the pit transfer, they were struggling. But once they put uh, Hansen in there, the offense has been much better defensively. They have 
an excellent defensive front seven and probably uh, either one or two defense in the Sun Belt holding opponents to 70 yards below their season average. Warren Wand, if this game's on TV, I don't even know if it's on TV, yep. but if it is, watch this game. Warren Wand, I think they list him at 5-5. Five, five. I'd say he's probably more 5-4. I mean, this guy is a, a little guy, but he can hide behind the big offensive line that they have and get some dangerous mm-hmm. yards. And like I said, they've got the massive defensive edge. Now, Texas State, they had a new coach. It was definitely a rebuilding year for Everett Withers coming in. Still scratching my head, Michael. How the heck did this team beat Ohio <laughs> U in week one? I know. Because this is yep. the Texas State team that on a year is being outgained by 173 yards per game, allowing their opponents 187 yards above their season average on D. Their offense is generating 140 yards below opponent's season average, yet their best game of the year was the one where they got down to Ohio but rallied back and ended up with a 56-54 win. Other than that, forget about it. They lost last week to Troy. Yeah, they're at home, but is there really going to be anybody there to watch the game? No. So I think you have an Arkansas State team that's probably more interested in being here, better team on both sides of the ball. i got to go with Arkansas State in that one to to beat Texas State on the road. A shocker to you, I'm sure, Michael. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I'm totally shocked, Phil, that you would uh, <laughs> ride with the chalk here in this one. So, all right, and uh, you got a couple more minutes. Let's do this then. Um, you know, I, were you surprised that uh, you know? And and by the way, Phil Knight, the Grand Poobah of uh, Nike, who is all about uh, the University of Oregon and the Ducks program. He was on the sidelines at, uh, at Ohio State the other day in the Ohio State-Michigan game. And, Phil, I, I think he was looking I'm talking to Greg Schiano myself. Who do you like as the top uh, candidate to replace Mark Helfrich, who, who got the pink slip yesterday? Phil Steele. I sent my resume into him. It's $10 million a year. I'm not taking that job. So I'm hoping that I get the call. Been, and I'm worried I'm on the phone right now. The phone might be ringing from Phil, but uh, – yeah, sure. Uh, I would, <laughs> I would, I would have to say, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of different names being. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, it, uh, Kelly from San Francisco 49ers ended up going back. I would look at the situation he's in there at San Francisco. Uh, wow. You know, if he could. Yeah. Uh, but then you got a guy like uh, McElwain from Florida. You know, he's a couple yep. of his press conferences. He seems like he's a little annoyed with the fan base of Florida and how he's getting beat up. Even I agree. Two SEC East titles. He's from. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, he's from the area, and uh, you know, once again, when you're talking that kind of money, everybody's listening. I, I, I hopefully he calls me this afternoon, but I don't think he will. Uh, but great. that would be yeah. a be a great job, and uh, so I, I think there's going to be a lot of people interested. It all depends on who is he interested in bringing in. That's going to be the key. Well, and uh, listen now, I I'm going to throw some names out. I've heard Charlie Strong. We'll get an interview. I have. No, I don't you, think that's. Right. A, I don't Mac- think that's a fit. I don't think that's a fit at all because Maybe Oregon's not. all about high flying offense. And that I know right. Strong's offense was okay this year, but he's known as a defensive guy. I don't even think his personality fits at, at Oregon. So I'd, I'd be okay. surprised if that interview even happened. We'll see. Uh, and if after a, a resounding win on Friday night in Ford Field in downtown Detroit, I don't be surprised if PJ Fleck name surfaces and gets an interview out there too he is uh, a good because fit. that yeah that yeah he, he, that personality would really fit the profile wouldn't it 
Yeah, it, it definitely would. I think he'd, he'd be he's enamored with all that. I think it would be a good fit. Mm-hmm. And, and let's face it, B.J. Fleck doing a pretty good job there at Western Michigan. So, uh, granted, it'd be a step up in level of competition. But then again, uh, I think if you developed the players like he has, uh, I think I think it would be a good fit. Right. The other name I heard, and I'm gonna throw out that I may, I may you might want to put it in the Charlie Strong category, Les Miles. That uh, he might have conversation out there as well. I think Les Miles would love to have a conversation out there. I don't think Phil Knight would bring yeah. Les Miles out there. I think I, you got to have a new age head coach. I think uh, for the Oregon job, it's you look at their locker room facilities. Everything they have out there is new age, new age. Uh, I, I think you really got to go with somebody that's on more of the flashy side, more of the. Uh, mm. Wide open uh, type of offenses, and neither Miles nor Strong strike me as that. One thing I, I want to throw out to the listeners right now, if you're if you're still on board with us, we are having a podcast next week, and we are wide open on the topic of conversations. We could talk bowl games because we'll have all the bowl game matches up there, but of course we'll have a lot of pod- podcasts to talk about bowl games. So we'll talk about anything college football wise that you want. So feel free to tweet your topics at us all week long. It's at PhilSteel042, at Michael Regai, uh, at what's that Jim Nabosna's uh, Twitter thing there, Michael? <laughs> Jim underscore Nabosna, N-A-B-O-Z-N-A, our man, our he intrepid producer. He should have just in and, and, uh, and got his voice in here at the end. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so <laughs> it, any any topics you have, feel free tweet us this week. And we'll load up the show. I'm looking forward to Michael Land and Carl Benson for next week's show, so we can talk a little Sunbelt. Yeah, we'll get on, we'll get Commissioner Benson on. We'll talk to Sunbelt and show him. He'll he'll probably uh, give us all kinds of ups for because I don't think his phone's ringing during this time of year. People want to talk to Sunbelt, <laughs> but you and I love the Sunbelt, and we will. So we'll put that down. Phil, let everybody know about uh, philsteel.com and inside the press box and you at steelsweeklypreview.com and any way they can get the bottom line best edge out there. You know, and also uh up up in the next day or so on uh, philsteel.com, we're going to have all the uh, the FCS games on Philsteel Plus. Philsteel Plus will have all the uh, FCS forecasts up there for you all eight of them because uh, there's eight games left. There's there's some pretty exciting games. Have Michael's going to Alabama to call yeah. the uh, Jacksonville State game this week, so that'll be interesting. That's right. So if you are in, Young if you are interested, yep. yeah, if you are interested in the FCS, get a subscription to Phil Steel Plus. It's only I think twenty nine dollars for the rest of the year. You get access to all the FCS team pages. You get the forecast on all the FCS games this weekend, as well as access to all the FBS, NFL team pages, and more. All the information that I use and want at my fingertips, you have access to. Give it a trial run through the end of the year. I think it's like 29 bucks. Get you all the way through the Super Bowl. Can't argue with that. So make sure you join Phil Steel Plus. Just go to the website, click on Get Phil Steel Plus now, and you'll be able to sign up and have access to all that FCS information for this weekend and for all your bowl preparations. It will give you complete access to all the team pages for the college and the NFL through the playoffs. I think you'll get a a big, big plus out of that. And then also check out the Inside the Press Box newsletter. Head over to SteelsWeeklyPreview.com. That's SteelsWeeklyPreview.com. Are you going to do your confidence uh, bowl uh, selections this year, Phil, where everybody can get involved in that? Yep, those uh, will we should have that up there on uh, philsteel.com again this year. That's always a lot of fun, isn't it, Michael? Yeah. Oh, love it, love it. Been doing it for years. And the staff, by the way, all Phil's tremendous staff here 
at uh, at philsteel.com and uh, Phil Steele's College Football uh, Magazine will be working all weekend long because they're going to have every bit of information that you're going to need, bowl matchups, of course, uh, the college football playoff information, everything you're going to need to get ready for bowl season. So make sure you do everything that Phil just said, all connected with philsteel.com. Sir, I think our work is done for this final day of November. Another outstanding uh, hour plus we spent together. Yep, and a lot of fun as always. Enjoyed the uh, interaction with the callers and the tweeters out there. And uh, looking forward to the podcast again next week. Hopefully we come up with a lot of interesting things college football-wise to go over. Absolutely. I think that is a, a must and a given. So that's going to do it for us. As Phil said, we greatly appreciate your listenership. Let everybody know that, uh, you know, hey, th- this is the place. It's the best place for you to get every assessment and uh, every uh, opinion and everything from, from the computer to how Phil and I look at things for your college football weekend. So enjoy the conference uh, championship games this weekend and those that are winding up the regular season. And now for our producer, Jim DeBosna, and, of course, for Phil Steele, I'm Michael Regai. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time right here on Strong as Steel. So long, everybody.